I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the Dust Bowl. So grab your topsoil. And let's get civical. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And by the time this comes out, not only will it be the end of spooky season, but it will be the end of the midterms. Correct. And so we are recording this pre-midterms. Mm-hmm. So... Which, honestly, I think this topic actually is great because I feel like (laughs) (laughs) midterms make me feel like this. (laughs) Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, a a kind of a a palate cleanser, if you will, from what will be sort of a bombardment of election results and just all of the things that come along with 
midterms and general elections and all of the things. Yeah. I hope you voted. I hope you voted. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about that. No. We're not talking about that. We're talking no. about something else. No. I have nothing else to say um, to Great. lead us in other than to like jump Great. into it. But do you have do you have updates, Arden? Do you have something you want to say? I mean, I'll just say hopefully because Halloween is also 10 days away um, mm. the day that we are recording this. Hopefully my goal by that day is to have watched yeah. Halloween ends. Oh, you can do that. I can do that. I mean, we're currently in the we've we've made it through the Rob Zombie and now we're we're at the the one before Halloween ends. Yeah. So, it's totally doable. Um but just to keep on our spooky season movie updates. And yeah. then and then yeah, I I hope hope you voted in the midterms. If not, Please register and think about voting in the next election in your yeah. district. And keep district. eyes out for special elections. It's true. Run-offs. They pop up. Those little They creatures, really do. They, they pop off. Remember Georgia? Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it may not actually be over in your district or mm-hmm. state. State. So yeah. keep your finger on the pulse. Mm-hmm. And get ready because you know what happens after the midterms. The presidential election starts. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. I and literally just, you know can't. what? Just you know what? Keep keep your keep your soul healthy. Screen oh your my God. calls. Get some sleep. Get yeah. ready for the bombardment of ads. Oh my God! Literally, oh. my body just disassociated uh-huh. because when you I, said that, <laughs> I can't. Like one of my favorite things to do is to go like during the presidential ele- election cycle, which of course now is basically four years two years like going hardcore it's to go back to my mom's because she lives in ohio and so at some point during the election i will go back and see all of the ads and it's just Mm -hmm. it's just crazy because it's cable and it's like here's a tide here's a tide ad and here's a mcdonald's ad and then it's 50 ads that are just political in nature and like fire and brimstone and everything's like a catastrophe and then there's like an ad for the local eyeglass store and you're like i am so sore from the whiplash yeah so take care of yourselves and always take care of yourself get ready for a bumpy ride (laughs) i I can't even i can't can't even even. begin to think about this presidential election that's coming up in two years no But know that I love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we'll get through it. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. One way or another. That's that's exactly right. And it will not feel any worse than being in the dust bowl. Hell yeah. I was like, is she going to do it? See what I did there? Is she going to do it? I was like, I hope she's not going to say anything else other than the dust bowl. Because talk about, it could be worse. We could be, we could be Mm -hmm. living through the dust bowl. Like, talk about a time in history I am glad I fully missed. Oh, yes. I can't even imagine. I don't like – I like going to the beach. I do not like – Sand? Like, sand in in the places. So I just cannot imagine that I would have thrived in the Dust Bowl. It's like – it's just so hard when – the economy is against you. And mm. then on top of that, Mother Nature 
is against you. Like, this is, there's no amount, there's like, the worst thing about it though, there's nothing, the worst thing about this though is that this is not entirely Mother Nature's fault. Like, we did this to ourselves. Well, sure. Like, we over, we over, that's fair. We were trying to grow crops in like Wyoming. There's no, yeah. Like, that's, that's not a good idea. It's not it. That's not it. Yeah. That is true. That is true. All actions have consequences. It just sucks true. when the consequence is Mother like Nature. Mother Nature and, like, something called a black blizzard. Woo! That happened. I don't want that. That happened. That happened. I don't, I don't want that. It happened. It happened. But we're kind of continuing this, like, kind of series of... Like Mother Nature esque type of things. We had like the Great Chicago Fire, which isn't really Mother, but it's the elements. And now we're doing the Dust Bowl. Like I'm kind of into it. I'm, I'm I know. feeling it. Well, the, I'm like I'm. I, I don't know. I mean, I've kind of been on this kick of like, like the the Dust Bowl came up when I was looking at something to do, and I don't even know that it's like related to an anniversary. Yeah. But, oh, you know what it was? I was trying because remember that series we were doing about um. The New Deal. Yeah. And I was like, we haven't done a New Deal episode for a while. So I looked, I like, you know, started Googling around and seeing what was in that bucket of things, that bucket of topics that we haven't covered. And I was like, oh, the Dust Bowl. I was like, I know very little about the Dust Bowl except what I vaguely recall from the pages I did read of Grapes of Wrath. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that photo of the woman, that like iconic mm-hmm. photo, you know, from, from the dust bowl and like, mm-hmm. but some of the pictures that I found doing this research are wild. Just like, they're wild. They're wild. Just, like people just in like, you know, old ye timey garb. And it's just like black behind them. Cause the dust is like just flying. I mean, it's apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. It truly, it truly yeah. is. Well, tell me what the sources are so we can jump into the apocalypse. Okay, great. Our apocalyptic sources are history.com. We go nowhere Love. without her. The Library of Congress. Great oh, source. Great one of my source. favorites. Great one source. Of, mm-hmm. Shout out to Library of Congress. We love you so much. Yes, we love you. And something I'm very glad exists. Uh, the National Drought Mitigation Center at the University of Nebraska. We're very Absolutely. helpful. Very helpful. We got to have helpful. it. I, yes. And I just like, please, all of the funding. Like, I feel like there are parts of this country that are experiencing drought and do periodically in waves. And we will continue in some areas to experience more, more drought as climate change continues to get worse. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that we have a national drought mitigation center. At the University of Nebraska. Please give them more monies. Give them the monies. Give them more monies. All right. Let's turn back the clocks and let's go west and talk about the Dust Bowl. What is it? What was the Dust Bowl? For those of you who don't know, I'm going to tell you. The Dust Bowl was the name given to the drought-stricken southern plains region of the United States which suffered severe dust storms during a drought in the 1930s. I'm going to pause to say, the name The Dust Bowl, great 
name. It's Great very name. much like Cuban Missile Crisis, where I know exactly what's going on. It's yep. catchy, succinct. Love it. Yep. As high winds and choking dust swept the region from Texas to Nebraska, people and livestock were killed and crops failed across the entire region. It's huge. It's huge. Huge. It was a big deal. Yeah. The Dust Bowl intensified the crushing economic impacts of the Great Depression and drove many farming families on a desperate migration in search of work and better living conditions. Although the 1930s drought is often referred to as if it were one episode, there were at least four distinct drought events from 1930 to 1931, second one in 1934, third in 1936, and the fourth in 1939 to 1940. These events occurred in such rapid succession that affected regions were not able to recover adequately before another drought began. I yeah. mean, it's like boom, 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 ba da ba, be ba ba ba, ba 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 ba. No rain. You can't do it. No rain. No rain. And they've over, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but they've like over farmed the region. Yeah. And it's like a double whammy. You know, they, yeah, they've like partly done it to themselves and partly Mother Nature's being like, I don't want to rain. I'm not having it. I don't want to. I'm not having it. No. So let's talk about what preceded the Dust Bowl that made the Dust Bowl so bad. The Dust Bowl was caused by several economic and agricultural factors, including federal land policies changes in regional weather, farm economics, and other cultural factors. After the Civil War, a series of federal land acts coaxed pioneers westward by incentivizing farming in the Great Plains. Not a great idea, gonna sure. say. Not but a great idea. we've talked about this. We have. We have. Hello, Oklahoma. Sooners. Sooners. The Sooner State. The Homestead Act of 1862, which provided settlers with 160 acres of public land, was followed by the Kincaid Act of 1904 and the Enlarged Homestead Act of 1909. These acts led to a massive influx of new and inexperienced farmers across the Great Plains. So they're like, come out, come out, come on out. And people did, except they sucked at farming. Yeah, they're just, they're just they were- digging. They're just digging. They're doing it wrong, and there's too many of them, and it's the Great Plains. It's the Great Plains. It's the Great Plains. Got to know how to. You got to know how to farm the Great Plains. Get how to farm. Many of these late 19th and early 20th century settlers lived by the superstition that quote, "Rain follows the plow." No, 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 no. Immigrants, land speculators, politicians, and even some scientists believe that homesteading and agriculture would permanently affect the climate of the semi-arid Great Plains region, making it more conducive to farming. If you build it, they will come. Right. No. In the early 1920s, farmers saw several opportunities for increasing their production. New technology and crop varieties were reducing the time and costs per acre of farming, which provided a great incentive for agricultural expansion. So, okay, we're like moving people west to an area that's not great for farming. And we're enticing them to come because we're saying, if you come over here, the rain will come with you. Just bring the weather with you. You will bring the rain. 
You will bring the rain. The rain and special is mainly you on the plains. It's exactly That's right. You're a wizard. You are a wizard. Bring the rain. And then also, this is like, you know, a time of the, you know, industrial expansion. And so people are finding new ways to do things, better ways to do things so they can farm more crops. So we're, we're just really setting ourselves up for failure. Yeah. yeah. Hardcore. Hardcore. The expansion was also necessary to pay for expensive, newly developed equipment, such as listers and plows, that were often purchased on credit and to offset low crop prices after World War I. So they're trying, like, they're trying to farm as much as they can, which I get because now they have this land because they've been enticed to go out there. So they're like, we we have the land. It's like when you rent, when you rent something, in, you know, like a commercial place in the city and you're like, okay, great. It's a coffee shop and bar because right. I can make money in the morning and in the evening. Well, and it's also like, this is how they're going to make their livelihood. Like there's no other, they're like, my job right. now is that I'm going to be a farmer. So in order to make any money at all to support my family, I have to have crops. So I'm going to go hard at the thing I need to do to make the money, which is farm. Which is farm. So when the national economy went into decline in the late 1920s because of the Great Depression, stock market crash, etc., agriculture was even more adversely affected. In addition, a record wheat crop in 1931 sent crop prices even lower. So they're farming and they actually can't, like, it's costing them more to farm. Yeah, they can't make back their money. And they can't make back their money. Yeah. These lower prices meant that farmers needed to cultivate more acreage, including poorer farmlands, or change crop varieties to produce enough grain to meet their required equipment and farm payments. Right. I mean, yeah, they're I, up like, against it. They're up against it. I feel, I mean, I feel bad for them. Yeah. When the drought began in the early 1930s, it worsened these poor economic conditions. The depression and drought hit farmers on the Great Plains the hardest. Many of these farmers were forced to seek government assistance. Yeah. Which I'm sure at the time was not great because it wasn't like we were doing the thing now or doing the thing that we do now, which is like pay people not to farm. Right. It's also like at the time... You know, the the stock market has crashed. Like, it's not just farmers that are struggling. Like, I can't mm-hmm. imagine that government. And this is before the, any New Deal programming was in place. Like, we were just so, <laughs> we were so not prepared for we the stock market crash. And mm-hmm. this, like, gov- I can't even imagine what government assistance was, you know? Right. Or how have you went about getting it? Like, it was hard enough for us during the pandemic to, like, figure out how to get stuff yeah. to people how would you yeah. even begin to be like getting people government assistance in 1930 30 30 almost 100 years ago yeah i don't know we're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. But let's talk about the land and how it became dust. How did it come to be? How? Between 1930 and 1940, the southwestern Great Plains region of the United States suffered a severe drought. Once a semi-arid grassland, the treeless plains became home to thousands of settlers when, as Arden said, in 1862, Congress passed the Homestead Act. Most of the settlers farmed their land or grazed cattle. The farmers plowed the prairie grasses and planted dry land wheat. As the demand for wheat products grew, cattle grazing was reduced, and millions more acres were plowed and planted. Dry land farming on the Great Plains led to the systematic destruction of the prairie grasses. In the ranching regions, overgrazing also destroyed large areas of grassland. Gradually, the land was laid bare and significant environmental damage began to occur. Among the natural elements, the strong winds of the region were particularly devastating. So we basically, like, bled it for all it had. We bled it for all it had, and we took, between the all of the grazing and all of the over-planting and cropping, yeah. all of the over-farming, we basically, like, took out the layer of grass, which is what, I guess, in this area and probably in other areas, too, holds the dirt down. Holds the dirt down, holds the nutrients. <laughs> holds the nutrients for in to it. grow. Right. There's ecosystems, people. There's ecosystems. And you have mm-hmm. to have, what is it called? Homeostasis. I oh my took gosh. science in high school. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm very oh, impressive. Very that was impressive. So good. Yeah. Crazy. 
a tour de force. You might Thank say. you for bringing it back. I am a no tour de problem. force. No We're problem. We're manifesting. We're mm-hmm. manifesting. We're manifesting. With the onset of drought in the 1930s, the overfarmed and overgrazed land began to blow away. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> bye bye. We've all seen the beginning of the Wizard of Oz. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, exactly. Winds whipped across the plains, raising billowing clouds of dust. The sky could darken for days, and even well-sealed homes could have a thick layer of dust on the furniture. In some places, the dust drifted like snow, covering farm buildings and houses. Nineteen states in the heartland of the United States became a vast dust bowl. Nineteen states! That's so many states. It's a quarter of the states. Yeah. If you do the math. Yeah. With no chance of making a living, farm families abandoned their homes and land, fleeing westward to become migrant laborers. So we we bleed the region dry. Dust is everywhere. It's swirling up into the clouds. It's getting into your house. There's Mm -hmm. not, you are surrounded by dust. There's no way for you to make money. And they're like, you know what? We've got to go on and get. Mm -hmm. We got a G to G. Mm. Not what I want to do. Not what I want to do. This would not have been my best life. No. So let's talk about living in the dust bowl. Sounds like a real catastrophe so far. Yikes. I don't want to do this. Mm Mm-mm. The Dust Bowl, also known as the Dirty Thirties, which, which, hello, <laughs> is so great. It's what you're living right now. You're living your best Currently dirty 30s. living in my Dirty Thirties. <laughs> Lizzie is soon to enter. You are. Give it a I'm couple of years. Precipice. You're going to be so happy in your Dirty I'm Thirties. I'm going to be a filthy 30-year-old. I can't wait. I can't wait. The Dust Bowl started in 1930 and lasted for about a decade, but its long-term economic impacts on the region lingered much longer. By 1934, an estimated 35 million acres of formerly cultivated land had been, had been rendered useless for farming, while another 125 million acres, an area roughly three-quarters the size of Texas, was rapidly losing its topsoil. During the Dust Bowl period, severe dust storms, often called black blizzards swept the Great Plains. Some of these carried topsoil from Texas and Oklahoma as far east as Washington, D.C. and New York City. Very far. Yeah. Very far. And coated ships in the Atlantic Ocean with dust. It's like the the only thing I can... I can think to, like, contextualize it or, or understand what that's like is, do you remember... Maybe it was two years ago or so. Something happened... Maybe it was forest fires. It was some type of fire. And I remember New York City, like the air quality, it was, it was something, maybe it was like up in Canada or I don't, I don't think it was as far west as California, but there was a fire somewhere and the smoke, like it traveled so far that the air quality in New York City was abysmal. And I remember like walking outside and, 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 and it's, and it's haze and you're like, Mm. this is coming from where? Where? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I can't remember what that was, but I remember yeah. it being not like from New Jersey. 
You know, no, like, no, no. It was, it no, was, it was, from, far it was away. from somewhere. Or yeah. like every now and then a volcano will erupt somewhere and people are like, oh God, this is the leftovers of this thing that is, you know, across the equator. Right, right, right. <laughs> coming up to, you know, Atlanta. Right. Like it's, it's, it's wild when it's, it's when so you nuts. are experiencing something that is happening so far away from you. Right. Wild. Well, that's why, I mean, this is a completely different thing, although similar in nature, different context. But, like, when there's an earthquake and then you get a tsunami. Sure. And, like, that would, I mean, that that petrifies me because how would you know? Like, you get the warning for the, or you don't get a warning for an earthquake. But, like, so the earthquake happens and then you don't feel it. And then you're living just in an area and all of a sudden here's a wall of water. Like, yeah, it just sounds like a Bruce Willis movie. It sounds horrible. Yeah, I don't want to do that. The weather and is a crazy, crazy. Billowing clouds of dust during the Dust Bowl would darken the sky, sometimes for days at a time. In many places, the dust drifted like snow and residents had to clear it with shovels. Dust worked its way through the cracks of homes, leaving coatings on food, skin, and furniture. Like Lizzie said, some people developed dust pneumonia because, yes, of course, I just, like, that's not pneumonia. That's, like, literally dust in your, that's a foreign body in your lungs. Yeah. They developed dust pneumonia and experienced chest pain and difficulty breathing, obviously. Yeah. It's unclear exactly how many people may have died from the condition. Estimates range from hundreds to several thousand people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. I bet it's several thousand. I mean, I you just can't in, you can't ingest that much dust and not have, like, severe health complications, especially in right. the 1930s, like, for God's right. sakes, you know. Right. On May 11th, 1934, a massive dust storm two miles high traveled 2,000 miles to the East Coast blotting out monuments such as the Statue of Liberty and the U.S. Capitol. Two miles high. That's big. It's big. It's very big. big. It's very big. The worst dust storm occurred on April 14th, 1935. I'm just going to say a cursed date. That was also when the Titanic sank. Mm -hmm. I was just about to say that. I was like, Mm -hmm. it's not saying the date is the Titanic. We got to do the Titanic. Oh, we got to do the Titanic. We got to do the Titanic. We can't until it's actually the anniversary, but we got to do the Titanic. Yep. For sure. For sure. Oh. I mean. Or or it's our 200th episode. I mean. Wow. Houston, if you're listening, write that down. (laughs) Don't let us forget we want to do Titanic for our 200th episode. (laughs) Stay tuned. Come back in eight episodes. (laughs) (laughs) So the worst dust storm on the anniversary anniversary of the sinking of the titanic april 14th news reports called the event black sunday a wall of blowing sand and dust started in the oklahoma panhandle and spread east as many as three million tons of topsoil are estimated to have been blown off the great plains during black sunday that is so that is insane it's a lot that's a lot it's a lot yeah that's we there's lot. nothing that we can like no uh really draw similarities to that has happened in modern i mean truly other than smoke from forest fires like that's about as close as we've gotten to anything like this but but that's like it's like lighter it's smoke it's not solid particles (laughs) oh my god 
It's crazy. An Associated Press news report coined the term Dust Bowl after the Black Sunday dust storm. <laughs> Shout out to that writer. Shout out to that writer. He had it, he had it down. Assuming it was a he. Roughly two and a half million people left the Dust Bowl states, Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Nebraska, Kansas, and Oklahoma during the 1930s. It was one of the largest migrations in American history. Oklahoma alone lost 440,000 people to migration. Many of them, poverty-stricken, traveled west, like Lizzie said, looking for work. From 1935 to 1940, roughly 250,000 Oklahoma migrants moved to California. A third settled in the state's agriculturally rich San Joaquin Valley. These Dust Bowl refugees were called Okies. Okies. <laughs> sure. Okies, I know. Because they're all from Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, yeah. sure, you got it. Sure. That's, that's the nickname for sure. That seems great. Okies faced discrimination, menial labor, and pitiable wages upon reaching California. Many of them lived in shanty towns and tents along irrigation ditches. Mm. I mean, these poor people, they're like forced out of their homes. Yeah. Only trying to like make ends meet. And then they go to this other place and people are like, you're worthless. Get out of here. I mean, but that's like, that's U.S. Yeah. Okie soon became a turn of disdain used to refer to any poor Dust Bowl migrant, regardless of their state of origin. You don't even have to be from Oklahoma. We're going to call you an Okie. No, we're going to call you an Okie. Could you imagine being from Nebraska and being like, I'm from Nebraska. I'm, like just getting. just called me a Bracky. Bracky. <laughs> Bracky. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. Well, as you know, we currently don't have a Dust Bowl in the United States, which means that at some point it did end. So let's talk end. about the conclusion of the Dust mm-hmm. Bowl. Mm-hmm. Regular rainfall returned to the region by the end of 1939, bringing the Dust Bowl years to a close. The economic effects, however, persisted. Population declines in the worst-hit counties, where the agricultural value of the land failed to recover, continued well into the 1950s. Also, it's like you have 10 years of economic, you know, the the stock market crashes, you know, the Great Depression, the Dust Bowl. Everybody finally gets it kind of like back and going and then enter World War II. (laughs) Right, right, right. There's no, we cannot catch a break from like Hamanisha to now is just, there's no... Boom, bada, bang. It's all just apocalyptic. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, you know, World War II, at least from an economic standpoint, like was helpful Mm -hmm. because of the war economy. But other than that, I think I would have been like, you know what? I would have rather us just kind of figured out a different way to get back on our feet. Yes, 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 yes. As part of Roosevelt's New Deal, Congress established the Soil Erosion Service and the Prairie State's Forestry Projects in 1935. These programs put local farmers to work planting trees as windbreaks on farms across the Great Plains. The Soil Erosion Service, now called the Natural Resource Conservation Service, developed and promoted new farming techniques to combat the problem of soil erosion. I, can't, I just right. like FDR for, for everything that he is. It, it tickles me that, you know, 
dealing with the economic crash, dealing with World War II. It just, I just imagine him being like, all right, now I'm going to figure out how to fix farming. <laughs> right, right, right. It's not like I'm he gonna, didn't have right, enough now, now to let's do. Talk about, talk to me about topsoil. Talk right. to me about topsoil. What do I got to know? What do I got to know? How do we get it to stop yeah. flying away? Yeah. I'm like, and look, yikes. And they're like, let's plant trees. Yes. Great. I Great. love it. Throw the trees up. For all the stuff that he did, I'm not pro the court packing, but like, you kind of forgive the man. He's like, I'm just trying. Yeah. To help the people. Truly. It is, it is honestly, you know, the more learning about this time period and specifically these programs, the more I'm like, yeah, of anybody, I would have given you a third term. Oh, sure. Because by by that point, I think people were like, uh, we can't, we literally can't. <laughs> we, you, you're too, you're, you're in too deep. You gotta, you deep. gotta see this through. You gotta And, and it took going. him dying. Yeah. To break us of him. But I could have seen a world in which FDR stuck around for much longer. Yeah. If he if he didn't have his health issues and maybe perhaps was a little bit younger. Right. Um, because it's just, you're kind of like, uh, uh, you got us out of the Great Depression. You got, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There's been nobody close to this. No, no. No, no. I Yeah. I, I uh, uh, not as large as a, a force, but a, a tour de force, if you will. Second, no, are you are you saying only that FDR is not as much of a tour de force as Stewart. me? Of course, of course. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, my mm. list of accomplishments. It goes. It goes. It's Lizzie Stewart, and then it's all downhill. Lizzie Stewart, FDR. No one else. <laughs> Nobody else. That's it. Not even me. We're neck and neck for the tour mm-hmm. divorce. That's exactly title. right. I I will happily share it with FDR and no one else. Nobody else. But that is the end of our Dust Bowl episode. Yikes, McGikes. Glad that that hasn't happened again. Oh my God. Sort of one and done it. Mm-hmm. Don't need to do it again. Nope. But very informative. Shout out to the farmers. Shout out to farmers. Yeah. Shout out to the agriculture industry. You're literally keeping us fed. It's true. So with that said, we love you, obviously, so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Goodbye.